Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Hello and welcome to this episode of That's What She Said. I have so many things for you and I'm so fucking excited to share them. The first thing is that at breathehealrepeat.com, yeah, that's a new website, there's so much goodness and joy waiting for you. So you need to go there right now. Uh, breathe, B-R-E-A-T-H-E, heal, H-E-A-L, repeat, R-E-P-E-A-T, breathehealrepeat.com. That is where my breathwork stuff lives. And if you're like, I'm so sick of hearing about breathwork, Kristen, uh, one, have you tried it? And two, there is a free class that is a 40 minutes long at breathehealrepeat.com because breathwork can be a lot like cilantro. You either love it or you hate it. Or I found one that's worse than cilantro and that is truffle oil. You either love it or you hate it. And I do not enjoy truffle oil. I find that it invades my nose and makes me very sad about life. So um, I want you to go and try it and see if you dig it or you don't in a sort of no cost, no obligation, just just freaking try it sort of way. And then if you dig it, there are two other things available there. The first is uh, All the Joy, which is a breathwork class dedicated exclusively to uh, finding, harvesting, and giving yourself permission to feel your own joy, because that's an emotion that we tend to stifle, shove down, make wrong, or say, like, who are you to be happy when X terrible thing is happening? And so joy gets trained out of us pretty early. The other thing I'm excited about that's very soon uh, is a little ditty called Tenderness Gathering, which again, breathehealrepeat.com. My friend Pam and I are going to do a 90-minute class. The first half is uh, Pam gets really still, gets really grounded, and then she checks in with Rose and crew, who are a bunch of really rad entity slash spirit guide slash like coaches on the other side, basically. So you ask her big questions and uh, she gives answers. They give answers through her. And then we're going to do some breath work and breathe and see what can happen there. So tenderness gathering, again, breathehealrepeat.com is all about bringing your tender bits, your soft bits, your I'm too sensitive bits, your I'm too sad, I'm too broken, I'm too soft to live in this world. It's about bringing that person to the gathering and finding out that there is so much on the other side of that that is beneficial and worthwhile and amazing. So I need you to go to breathehealrepeat.com, 
check out all the joy, check out the tenderness gathering, check out the free class, see what feels good. And if you're like, yeah, Kristen, I just need business coaching. Boom. KristenKelp.com slash down matrix or all over KristenKelp.com. Coach with me. Fantastic. Talk to me. I'd be so happy to hear from you and to work with you in the coming months. And then uh, in this class, which is how to find, refine, and actually use your voice, you're, I'm going to mention Patreon a couple of times. That doesn't exist anymore. You can no longer leave Patreon comments. But the comments where I ask you to reach out, to talk to me, to tell me how this felt, what it did, how it's working, those are very real. So please, as you listen, take notes, ask questions, send them to me. I would be happy to hear from you. This is this particular class is one of the things that I am most proud of having created ever. It took weeks of effort for this to come out. And uh, I really, really hope that it um, is as beneficial to you as it has been to me at a very personal level. As always, thank you so much for listening. You know where to find me, kay at kristenkelp.com if you need me. And again, breathehealrepeat.com is new today. And I could not be more thrilled. See you next week. Before we hop into the big work of finding, refining, and using your voice, let's review the three threads. This is, as far as I know, an original concept of mine, which is why you might be like, what are you talking about? I have never heard of the three threads before. Right. I know. That's an explanation. Also, they're explored in way more detail, like an hour's worth of detail, because this is a really big deal. And this is uh, the opener of Brave as well in podcast 105, which is called How to Get to Anywhere You Want to Go. If you want to pop over uh, to kristenkelp.com and look for that one. So after finding, buying, and doing a number of six or seven step programs to help grow my business, find my path, and hone in on my truest work, and by a number, I mean shit tons, and by some, I mean many thousands of dollars were spent, I got really frustrated. I was always off base or outside the formula or like, is this dude smoking crack? Uh, By step three of any given seven step program. Could I please, please not pay thousands of dollars to use less than 40% of any given class, please? And the answer was no, not when it came to ways to build my business, grow my following, double my list, double my Instagram. Um, All those things were just not helpful. So over the course of years, I made my own strategy for navigating my life. It doesn't have steps, which means you can't lose the plot by missing a step. And I call it the three threads. Keeping hold of the three threads will help you to be certain you're going the right way on any given day. Thread one, the physical world. This thread keeps you connected to your body and to your well-being. If you're tending to the physical world thread, you're getting enough sleep, you're hydrating regularly, and you're giving yourself the gift of nutrition. You're consuming nourishing foods and avoiding allergens or foods that you know upset your body. You get bonus physical world points for regular movement and for getting plenty of sex. By yourself with someone else, all counts. This thread forms the foundation for the others as moving toward becoming a fully alive, spiritually enlightened genius, which is my hope for everyone, isn't possible if you give up on things like eating, sleeping, and drinking water. Beyond the physical world, we move to the interior continent thread. This is the thread in which you feel connected to what's going on inside of yourself or your interior continent. The interior continent is made up of the parts of you that no one else can see, know, 
feel, or explore on your behalf, the parts of the spectrum of human experience that live within you and you alone. Unless the interior continent's landscape is expressed in some way, there's no way for me to know which feelings, sensations, thoughts, or experiences are happening inside of your body, mind, and spirit at any given time. When you stay closely connected to your interior continent, you get better at both exploring and expressing what you're experiencing on any given day. This gives birth to art, to writing, to good conversations, to boundaries, and to easy decision-making. The more connected you are, the easier it is to say yes or no to people, yes or no to projects, experiences, ideas, and concepts as they present themselves. The final thread is your truest work. If you can keep hold of the physical world and your interior continent threads, and that's not easy, you'll most likely be led to your truest work. Your truest work is something like asking a bunch of questions, like which gifts have you been given and how can you return them to the world in some form? Which work do you do, whether it's paid or not, that helps you feel as if you're returning to yourself, to your true nature, or to your soul? Which activities, movements, gestures, actions, or tasks feel easy as breathing? Those are clues that point you in the direction of your truest work. Your truest work may be, but is not necessarily, the work you'll be paid to do. Case in point there is parenting. People that are born parents and that are born nurturers and that are born just made to be people who bring other people into the world, I'm so sorry that you're not paid for that. I'm so sorry that you don't get like pay increases commensurate with levels of experience and joy. Um, so some people's true work is being a parent and I'm sorry that's not something that you get paid for. Like truly, I'm sorry. Um, and that's why the caveat is that your true work, if you make it something that you're always paid for, um, you might miss it. You can be paid for it in many cases, but maybe not. When you're connected with your truest work, you'll feel fulfilled at a deep level, even if you're frustrated by the pace of the work, the funding of the work, or the physical world circumstances of the work. That said, finding, refining, and using your voice, which is the whole point of this, lands squarely in the interior continent department. To express and articulate what you've got going on within you, you'll have to, as Jean Houston says, grow a garden in your soul. The alternative title for this class is, not surprisingly, how to grow a garden in your soul. Soul garden principle number one, there will be weeds and neglect no matter what. If we view your voice not as merely a means of expression, but as a living entity like a garden, it's easier to accept that there will be stuff you don't particularly want in that space. Nature abhors a vacuum, so you won't come to your interiors, to your interior continent, and find a pristine glass enclosure waiting for your input. You'll find a landscape laden with debris, shadows, trash, all the stuff you'd rather avoid, and a few plants growing despite their circumstances, like those blades of grass that grow between the sidewalks. The work of a lifetime is making space in the garden for the good stuff while moving the trash and decaying bits and flotsam and jetsam out of this space. It's important to note here that weeds are not a cause for guilt. We all have them. Weeds can spring up overnight in even a tip-top, 100% manicured royal garden that's been tended for centuries here in the physical world. That's just how it is, and so weeds do not equal guilt. 
the first part of building a garden in your soul is acknowledging that a garden of some kind already exists there and you might not like it right now. That's okay. That's par for the course. That's being human. But a garden already exists whether you like it or not. Weeds include, but are certainly not limited to, obligations that you loathe. They're just like prickly, nasty creatures that you just, uh. Um, telling yourself that you're fine and should just get over it, whatever it is. Again, we're just listing weeds, shoulds. You should do this, you should do that, you should like this, you should like that, you should care about that cause, you should like that person, you should dislike that person or that group. Um, all the things that you should feel or should do but don't want to. Weeds are those giant stretches of time that you quote-unquote have to dedicate to X but don't want to. Um, Weeds are wounds that you refuse to acknowledge. The totally made-up example here is like your mom died tragically a year ago and you're like, no big deal, there's nothing to talk about. Moving on, um, that's going to be a big giant weed. That's going to be like a thorny bush of a sucker that you have to deal with at some point. Weeds can also be recurring patterns that screw with your life, like overeating, not charging money for your work, spending everything that you bring into your business without paying yourself at all, overusing alcohol to avoid feeling feelings, overusing any kind of drug to avoid feeling feelings, not doing the one thing daily that you've decided is the most important thing you should do daily, <laughs> whatever that is, and not getting help with a physical ailment, medical illness, or ongoing condition. Weeds sap time, energy, and possibly money from your everyday life. They don't magically turn into vegetables or herbs or flowers or gorgeous vegetation, no matter how long they stick around, so they've got to go. Your job here, and again, we're talking about finding your voice, but we're also talking about plucking out the things that make your voice harder to hear and harder to express. Your job is to notice the weeds one at a time doesn't mean they'll actually be eliminated or go away, especially if we're just acknowledging. It means that you can only change what you acknowledge. If there's someone who's like, yep, that ragweed infestation is really fucking with my life and making my allergies go crazy and sapping my will to live, that person is healthier than the person that's like, ragweed infestation? What ragweed infestation? So denial, we're just trying to get out of denial in phase one. These are the things that exist in my garden, and these things suck, and I kind of like these things, and these things are awesome. We're just getting it down to that, because finding your voice is going to be systematically working through those things in the garden that you find unsavory, gross, disgusting, bad, terrible, and unworthy of love or attention. Preach. <laughs> um the value of the weeds is not going to become clear until it has been cleared, if that makes sense. Even because even the broken bits and the weeds have value and that value may not make itself clear for a very long time. And that doesn't mean that you get out of doing the work of clearing your particular garden. There's a poem I found that I think might help bring this to light. It's called Afterward by Jeffrey Harrison. The maple limb, severed by a December storm, still blossoms in May, where it lies on the ground. Its red tassels a message from the other side, like a letter arriving after its writer has died. Even in the broken bits and the bits that fall down, they're still blossoming, and there's still value, and there's still worth, and it's your job to see it once you go in there. Weeding your garden is about making space for more good stuff to grow. 
So you don't like what you find? That pattern of overeating or procrastinating or those memories or wounds that you've never looked at or handled or processed, you'll have to pick each one out and ask it what it wants to teach you before it's going to be willing to go away. Weeding your garden is another term for becoming, and becoming is often painful. It is easier to give up on yourself and your soul and your worth and your voice than it is to wade back into the craziness and clear a tiny, tiny patch of soil. It's easier to blame other people for what you find than to take responsibility for, if not putting the stuff there, than failing to clear it out all these years later. To get metaphorical but also very direct, what do you want to clear from your garden at this moment? Not 83 things, not 22 things, just one thing. What of the, of the shoulds or the obligations or the wounds or the memories or the patterns? Are you like, it's time for that to go? Whatever comes to mind is the right answer. And the first answer is always the right one. Which obligation, pattern, worry, memory, or pile of shit has just got to go? Start there and write it down. And that is your focus for the next little while until you've cleared that space. Articulating the desire for that particular thing, pattern, person, relationship, responsibility, or memory to leave your life is the first part of finding, of reclaiming, of using your voice. Voices always begin with desire and wanting. We don't get voices because we got what we want. We get voices because we had it and we lost it or we want it to begin with. And then we go exploring. And when I'm saying voice here, it might be a physical expression of your voice saying things out loud. It might be your artwork or your creativity. It might be your whole fucking life when you paint your whole house orange and then put stripes on it and go to town. And it's just, however, voice is simply interchangeable with expression and creativity here. Um, so I don't want you to think that voice is only speaking uh, because this process of weeding the garden, of going in, of trying, of refining, of coming back out, of examining your own interiors, it's going to bear fruit in any, any realm that you can imagine in the physical world. Um, but it's going to be tied to your own efforts at an interior level, if that makes sense. These have taken days and days and days and days to articulate. And so if you're like, I don't understand. I have questions. This is confusing. Your metaphors are stupid, Kristen. I get it. And you can always reach out and ask me a question or say, say more about that. You know where to find me. K at kristenkelp.com. Soul garden principle number two, you already have plants in there and it's easier going for the long haul. If you stop to identify what you have growing right now. I get it. At first, your garden may be a scary place. You might have abandoned dead trees. You might have tires and old toys and old gas cans in there. I don't know. It may be more mud than vegetation or more parched earth than growth of any kind. That, again, is normal. That's par for the being a human course. Most people live with raggedy, dried up, vermin infested gardens and are too afraid to do the work of clearing it out. Anytime you're exploring your own interiors or expressing what you find there, we're back to exploring and expressing as twin souls here, you're helping your garden to flourish. Anytime you're helping your garden to flourish, you're refining your voice.
I'm going to say that again. Anytime you're exploring your own interiors or expressing what you find there, you're helping your garden to flourish. Anytime you're helping your garden to flourish, you're refining your voice. So if you're like, how does meditation relate to my career? Meditation is exploring your own interiors and what you express, what you are capable of bringing to the world grows and is amplified and finds its tendrils in other realms of your life quite easily as a result of your meditation. Every piece of anything I've ever written, shared, or spoken that has touched people deeply has come from exploring and expressing what I've found within my own garden particularly the scariest parts and the most abandoned, gross, disgusting, dark, evil-feeling parts like depression and suicidal ideations and the ongoing shame that comes of not being able to beat, defeat, or destroy my mental illness once and for all, despite my best efforts. The pieces, projects, and creations that require the most interior work bear the most emotional fruit. Your audience, whether it's only you or whether you're reaching thousands or tens of thousands, your audience can tell the difference between that which you whipped off to be done with a project and that which you created with great shaking and trepidation because it somehow made you vulnerable. As far as I can tell, vulnerability is the only way to grow a bigger garden. Your evolution and the evolution of your voice and the growth of your garden is dependent upon both your exploration, and your expression of the current state of your own interiors. You might be tempted to say there's nothing there. No flowers, no trees, no shrubbery, only shit. But even if you can't see a damn thing, I guarantee there are seeds beneath the surface. By virtue of your being here listening to this, there are seeds at work. So look closer. What's blooming? What is it you're already saying or making or doing? What are you currently expressing to the world? My flowers and vegetation come in the form of healthy relationships, new projects, aspirations, achievements, and experiments. Yours might be attached to certain goals, like that one time you ran a marathon, or they might represent certain fears that you're conquering at the moment. I've got a pretty sweet posting poems on the internet for strangers to see tree growing right now. So write them all down. This Again, pause this shit as soon as I've asked the question and scribble. What is it that you're already making, producing, taking care of, nurturing, or planning? Write those things down. Those are your seeds and your flowers. Those are your focus at the moment. Which relationships are flourishing? Which ways are you really freaking proud of yourself at the moment? Which goals do you see taking root in the soil here? And then to get to blossoming later, we've got to plant some seeds too. What wants to be said? What's pressing against your voice box or your creative impulses? If you're stuck or have no idea what wants to come through, you're completely detached from your own interiors, you can grab a big piece of paper and throw on a song you like. Stop everything and dance with the question, what wants to be made through me? And then dance and see what your body tells you. It might be this stupid thing that you're like, oh my God, are you serious right now? You need me to call my mom and tell her to back off. Awesome. That is a weed that needs to be cleared and that needs to be done right now. And there might be something really obvious and tangible in the physical world that happens. And it might be that you're just tuning in after a long stretch of ignoring your interiors. So whatever happens, 
put on a song that you like, and dance and ask what wants to be made through me. I would never advise you to do anything I haven't done myself. I did this last night and I made a list of smaller things like podcast ideas and collaborative ideas and article ideas that I didn't know were lurking just beneath the surface. But just putting a song on and dancing with the question what wants to be made through me led to a list of eight really simple, easy things that already integrate into my life that uh, will be made through me in the coming weeks and months. That's not to say that planting seeds is easy and simple and that all this work is like, oh, it's no problem, it's always delightful. But that is to say that the work of becoming is difficult and hard and the most worth it work on the face of the planet and that you are capable of doing it. So garden principle number three, gardens grow slowly. That sucks. There are no shortcuts. You can call in the advanced gardeners like the Dalai Lama or Ram Das or Jesus or whomever you follow, um, and that's going to speed growth to some degree, but there's no going from half an acre of abandoned jungle to 30 acres of plush gardeny perfection without years and years and years of effort. The fastest way to accelerate the finding and refining of your voice is to care for what is already in your garden. That really sucks because I always want to take the things that I've got for granted and then add more shiny, sparkly things. But I've got to be a good steward of what I'm already growing. Again, and for a third time, that sucks. I know. It is easy to imagine a 30-acre garden within yourself, but odds are that you don't have the energy to care for that much life. If you don't currently tend a 29 and a half acre plot, now is not the time for expanding to a 30 acre gardening game. You've got to take exquisite care of what you already have. I feel like so much of our life lesson, uh, at least for me, uh, so much of my life lesson I won't project onto you is learning to take care of what I already have, especially in the form of a physical body that has physical needs in the physical world. It is so hard for me to do. Um, We only want to get rid of weeds and pluck what wants to be gone. We only want to tend the flowers capable of blossoming. And then we have to sort of watch and see what works. And was that really a weed or is that a thing that's necessary in some way? And will it come back? And then which flowers are blooming and which ones are like, no, they're kind of ready to go. They're not working. You have to play and tinker and experiment. And expanding too quickly will kill everything because you won't have enough energy to take care of all of it. I know this, and yet I always want to hire a therapist and a breathwork teacher and a naturopath and an acupuncturist and a shaman and a business coach and a doctor all at once because I like to batch things. Like, let's take care of my soul once and for all. Like, if there was a checkbox, I just want to check, like, soul work once and for all and be done. But soul work is slow work. You're going to see these patterns in this vegetation and the ignored parts over and over and over again. It's more like a spiral than it is like a ladder. And the pacing will always, 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 always feel too slow. You can beat yourself up for that. Or you can acknowledge that making any progress whatsoever is cause for celebration. And if you're learning like me, celebration does not always have to equal snacks. Then that is also progress. (laughs) your soul garden principle number four you probably favor one or the other expressing over exploring or exploring over expressing 
You might know exactly what's going on inside you, but never actually articulate it or express it for others. Or you might have no idea what's going on inside you, but keep on keeping on in your life without the benefits of contact with your interiors. Again, no guilt. There's no judging yourself for being exactly where you are. Humans are complicated. It's possible that your garden has abandoned for, been abandoned for years or even for decades. Nonetheless, it exists, and I still have no guilt to heap upon you. I can only remind you that your voice can't grow and flourish and stretch out its soft tendrils that touch and communicate with others if you're not willing to actively grow a garden. And if you're like, but Kristen, can you express yourself without a garden? Absolutely. Most people do. I was reading a study about people um, being willing to sit with their own thoughts, just sit with their own thoughts. And the choice was in this study that you could sit with your thoughts for 10 minutes, or you could have an electrical shock administered to you, and then you wouldn't have to sit with your thoughts. And I don't remember the exact statistic. It might've been 18%. It might've been 15%. It was, it was somewhere in there would, of people would rather get an electrical shock than be alone with their own thoughts. what? Like you would, people are afraid of themselves. People are afraid of their own interiors. They're afraid of their own um, depths and they're afraid of what's going on in there. So yeah, you can express without doing any exploration. So far as I can tell, the people who only express without doing any exploration are outward destructors. They condemn, criticize, judge, and antagonize other people to no end. Trump is a perfect example. He has so much to say, and his garden has been dead for clearly what amounts to decades. Critics, judges, and those people who leave a trail of one-star Yelp reviews in their wake wherever they go are also stuck in expression mode. We're going to take this anger that I feel about everything, and we're going to throw it outward, and we're not going to go into our own interiors to figure out what's actually going on. The people who only explore their interiors without expressing them... um, tend to implode or to shut down. I have a friend who used to write poetry all the time, like almost daily. And when he stopped, his life got more rigid. He started drinking more and talking less. It's taken about a decade for me to see that his life started calcifying the minute he stopped wading into his own interiors and expressing what he found there. Also, please note, it isn't that he stopped sharing his work. It's that he stopped expressing in the first place. Sharing or not sharing isn't the issue. It isn't what I'm talking about here. It's just expressing or failing to express. So if you want to go into a room, make art, and then light the art on fire every single day, it still counts. It's still expressing. It's still better than just knowing what's going on in there and not letting it out. You can make small talk and keep looking for inspiration outside yourself. Keep pinning stuff. Keep avoiding whatever it is that lives within you that scares the absolute utter shit out of you. Or you can go in. In the depths of yourself, in the parts of you that hurt most and fear most and rage most, you will eventually find the most fertile soil on earth. This is one of my poems because I do that now. I share poems. Uh, This is called We Leave Ourselves Behind All the Time. We commit to the marriage, the meeting, the next step, the next year, even though we know it's not right. 
We pretend we really want the marriage, the meeting, the next step, the next year, leaving each loud, protesting piece of ourselves behind to rot. We make dull husks of our own lives, acting as if we can't hear all those voices howling in the wind, abandoned. The good news is we're not dead yet. We're not dead yet. We can pick up each of the pieces we've left behind without guilt or shame or failing to notice what we've been dropping all this time. We can draw our eyes up past this parched landscape to all that water teeming with life. We can go in. The waves are passing in short sets. The current is strong. The sharks are circling. And you go in. Beyond the loudest voices shouting for you to turn back, beyond the certainty that your work is too big to tackle today, far beyond that same certainty saying your work means absolutely nothing. You go in. The cave where you can catch your breath is down there, a few inches beyond the point where you believe you'll burst. And you go in. From here you can see the table, all set, and the room pulsing with life. You can hear your own voice, elated at having you called at having called you back to yourself and you go in the depths are murky it's been a while since you've seen yourself the screens are calling they'll run your life if you let them you have absolutely no idea what you're doing here no one really does and you go in I think Hermione approves in case you can hear her that feels good and magic and I hope that maybe making it a sea metaphor instead of a garden metaphor helps, that there's this piece of you that's calling you back to yourself and back down within yourself, and that the more that you listen to it and heed it, the less scary it becomes, and the bigger your garden gets, and the louder and more refined and more you your voice gets, however your voice decides to manifest itself. To find, to refine, and to use your voice is to grow a garden within yourself and to return to it as frequently as possible. Growing a garden within yourself means deepening your relationship with your own thoughts, feelings, and experiences at an internal level than expressing those things outwardly in some fashion. To be clear about expression, you don't need an audience or a following for the expression to quote-unquote count. You can journal, write, paint, dance, move, breathe, chant, sing, craft, draw, make, shoot, edit, or tinker without ever showing another living soul. The expression itself will reveal things to you that cannot survive in the realm of thought alone. Painting often tells me more about what I'm feeling at a deep level, even if it makes no sense or it doesn't have a theme or the colors are wonky. My interiors wish to be expressed and my expression relies on my interiors. One reflects the other and the same is true for you. Also, this does not have to be a big deal. Connecting and expressing might translate to breathing deeply for one more breath today than you did yesterday, or journaling once a week, or going to the bathroom without your cell phone so that you experience a brief pause in the technological onslaught that is modern living. Suddenly, you've got three more minutes a day to explore your interiors. Ultimately, this garden building and voice finding is about building a bridge back to your truest self. There isn't any step-by-step -step way to do this, but I'm happy to share a few things that have worked for me over the years. The first two are the most important. They also suck the most. One, <laughs> that is often the case. <laughs> One, acknowledge and do your best to accept your pace. 
your pace. Hint, it will never be fast enough. Even if you're sprinting at top speed, you're still not going as fast as a cheetah. And even if you're going as fast as a cheetah, you're still not a BMW. And even if you're a BMW, you're still not going as fast as a, I don't know, any sort of vehicle that set a land speed record. And even then you're not going as fast as a rocket and on and on and on and on. It's just never going to be fast enough. I think that's part of the human condition. So if you can do your best to accept the pace that you've got going and maybe try and speed it up a little, but you don't, it's just never going to be fast enough. Two, you have to acknowledge, you don't have to, but it's a lot easier if you do. Acknowledge and do your best to accept your default energy levels. I am not one of those kids that ran around like a maniac from the moment I woke until the moment I slept. I never had to be run to get out more energy, right? I woke up, ate breakfast, and got to reading. On Saturdays, I watched cartoons and then read. When absolutely forced, I went outside to play. And when doubly forced, because mom caught me, I went outside to play without a book. I've never been and will probably never be one of those humans who has energy to burn. Like there's just too much in me and it has to get out. My natural state is steady and fairly slow in the physical world. And I've worked really hard to accept those tendencies in myself. Once you've acknowledged your pace and your default energy levels in this season of your life, so not what you were doing in high school and not what you suspect you'll be doing at age 50, but right now, your only job is to return to the garden regularly, daily if possible. Personally, to return to my garden, here are the things that I do. I paint. I write. I shower. Showering does so much for me. I'm spending... Five months in Kenya, the hardest thing was showering once every four to six days instead of every day, honestly. Um, I hold deep, long, wandering conversations with my most beloved people. I read. I listen to the Robcast, which is Rob Bell's podcast. It's like church. I go to the ocean. I do breath work. And I dance. There is a long, long, long list of things that are or were supposed to help me reach my garden, including an endless supply of business, self-help, and spiritual books that did nothing for me. I should take a picture of my bookshelf right now, and there are literally 20 books that I'm like, I'm not going to finish those, but I'm going to leave them on my bookshelf over there and pretend that they didn't cost money. (laughs) It turns out that I prefer Rumi's poems to another X, Y, or Z formula designed to solve my problems. Another thing that didn't work, traditional church services of all kinds, and I did both for a lot of years. I prefer a silent cathedral with dimmed lights and candles to attending a mass. Um, I've always had more profound experiences by myself in a quiet church than I ever had during a church service. Weird, I know, but also true. Um, traditional sit on a pillow meditation drives me insane. I just feel like a failure every time I hate it, loathe it and despise it. But I find that breath work, which is very much just focus on your breathing, um, with a slight twist does amazing and wonderful things for me. Um, CrossFit and running and really intense working out was supposed to really help me connect with my garden. But the thing is that I personally am really good at being in my masculine energy. And like, so flipping truck tires is very masculine energy. And it's taken a bunch of years for me to embrace more feminine forms of movement, like dance and yoga. It's been really hard, but also really good. Also, the long, long list concludes with 
so many teachers, gurus, Oprah picks, and highly recommended people who didn't trip my trigger, float my boat, or in any way sparkle for me. What works for me might not work for you. The precise combination that unlocks all of my wonder and joy is not the same as yours no matter what. Your job is to go hunting for the pieces that open doors within yourself and within the fences that separate one part of your garden from the next bigger, truer piece. Which brings us back to sparkle, because of course sparkle and your garden go together. The more closely you've connected to your own interiors, the easier it is to spot sparkle and the fuller your garden grows as a result. Sparkle naturally helps you find new flowers, care for those you've already planted, and eliminate weeds of all kinds. In the physical world, because I'm always like, make it physical and practical, Kristen, that means that last week, Doe and I followed the sparkle to a new wellness boutique that opened the day before in Philly. Um, I found a few items that I wanted to purchase, and I went to the back, and I noticed the woman behind the counter was so sparkly, uh, and she was standing in front of this huge rack of like apothecary bottles and herbs and tea bits and pieces. Clearly, we needed this magic. She asked a series of questions to Joey and to myself, and then she made us each a custom tea to help us deal with what's going on in our lives at the moment. Weeding the garden help? Check. Teas, tinctures, potions, balms, essential oils, and other physical world items can help you deal with what's going on in your garden. Let the sparkle guide you to weeding help, to new weeding, I said that on purpose, not reading, spelled wrong, weeding help to new resources, to new inspiration, and to the old favorites you've forgotten fix pretty much everything. You'll know it fixes pretty much everything if you've loved it for as long as you can remember. It's free, and you occasionally forget just how vital it is to your well-being. The big fixes for your soul are never lavish vacations to tropical locales. They're usually simple and repetitive things that humans have been doing since the beginning of time. Breathing, walking, running, swimming, laughing, waiting, um, W-A-D-I-N-G, praying, sitting, dancing, talking. Those things, those things are the things that will call you back to yourself again and again. Both sensing the sparkle and garden making come down to trust. Trust in yourself, trust in your voice, trust in your experience and in your soul. If you can trust that the world you have within you is not going to kill you, but is here to teach you things, you can enter into it without shutting down or scampering away. If you can trust that the dampest, grossest, most rundown parts of your garden will eventually become your most treasured plants, you can go deeper into the muck than ever before. And you can find, refine, and use your voice each and every day. As always, you are getting this at the beginning, meaning that it is incredibly difficult to articulate, incredibly difficult to bring to the surface. And I always feel like I'm doing it wrong. Um, like I haven't been clear. I haven't expressed myself and it doesn't make sense. So if you have any questions, any thoughts, any like, okay, you lost me way back there at point number one, Kristen, any of that, now is the time to reach out and talk to me. You can hit me up in the Patreon comments. You can hit me up k at kristenkelp.com. You can tag me on Instagram. You can do what you need to do to get to me to let me know um, which questions you have, what's confusing, what's clear, what you would like to hear more about, um, or your own experiences with any of this stuff whatsoever. I realized when this hit 10 pages that I needed to just stop. <laughs> 
so this is not by any means all of my thoughts. This is just, okay, 10 pages is enough for a single class. Like, we, we need to give them a moment. Um, so this is where we're stopping, and this is what we'll be talking about in the Order of the Phoenix meeting. And again, and always, you can talk about anything in the Order of the Phoenix me- meeting. Um, just let me know any questions that you have about business, life, sparkle, magic, um, email lists, marketing, SEO, blogging, all of it's fair game. You don't have to stick to this esoteric stuff. This is just where I am at the moment in my journey. As always, thank you so much uh, for playing along with me. And if you have anything at all to say, again, k at kristenkelp.com or just in the comments. I love when you guys talk to each other. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you at the Order of the Phoenix meeting. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The Antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format. One gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now. And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.